on a serious note, a lot to talk about, a lot of thoughts that we're all having at this time uh, based on what's going on around our country right now and uh, a lot of sad stuff going on. You know, there's still football to talk about and we are going to get to a little bit what else is going on around the country. People have been asking about trading Gus, trading Justice, trading Ingram since we drafted J.K. Dobbins. And I still stand by it. I do not think one of those guys are going to get traded. Yeah, here's the thing. The roles don't really change, right? Because Gus Edwards is still your power back. Stop trying to trade Gus the bus. People keep trying to trade him. Stop it. Garrett's a terrible receiver, though, just to let everybody out there know. No, you only, already know. Only, only of any use in the red zone. Besides <laughs> that, don't even look his way. You're just embarrassed because when we've played backyard football, I've dunked on you so many times and Randy mossed you. I've that is ma- not I've ma- true. I've mossed you so many times that you're embarrassed, so you got to try to discredit me. <laughs> that is not true. Welcome into the lounge. Uh, a lot to talk about football-wise and non-football-wise on today's episode. We don't have a guest for you. No, we hit you with Ray Lewis and who was our other guest? DJ well, Fluker. Like... Oh, yikes. Sorry. The new, the new guy. You already forgot you did it. Well, let me just say. <laughs> well, you weren't there. So I was... Well, I was just going to say, I do have a bone to pick with you because in the opening of last episode, you made it seem like... I got fired or something. You opened it up yeah. and you and you said, Cliff has taken over as the new host of the lounge. Welcome <laughs> in, Cliff. How does it feel to be the new permanent host of the lounge? Uh, forgot the guy who did it before. I had one of my friends text me uh, and he was like, are you not doing the podcast anymore? What's going on? Because <laughs> All because of your intro. It was, you know, I had, it was I had over I had over a dozen emails that were saying, so glad to hear this news. I love the change. Bring on more Cliff. Yeah, I, I had thousands of calls and texts and emails. Everyone was reaching out, concerned that really? I wasn't going to do it. I had millions. Yeah. <laughs> it's classic misinformation make. Not providing things in an accurate way. But for the listeners who are concerned and have reached out, I am very appreciative. And I am back. And I am back permanently. I took That's the thing. I t- I'm, I'm not here for one podcast. And I know it feels... When I miss one podcast, make, I know it feels like it, a lot has changed, and, and I'm very dearly missed. That's what was going on. I understand that. <laughs> I, 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 to be real, I actually did listen back to it. I was like, yeah, I kind of didn't make it clear that it was just like a vacation day. <laughs> take a vacation, take a vacation <laughs> I was, I was day. Like, I actually did like think that I was like, yeah, it kind of sounded like Cliff's the new guy. I mean, I, we'll we'll roll with it. Let's see what happens. Well, Cliff sounded surprised. That was the the other funny part about it is Cliff basically was surprised. You know, as you did the intro, you like kicked it to him, and he was like, uh, "I guess it's good to be here." <laughs> like, I think he he thought that he missed the news. Also, he missed the new email. job duties. Yeah, new job duties. Anyway, it's good to have you back, buddy. Uh, glad you're refreshed after a little vacay time. Yes. How was it? You picked a good week last week. The weather was like ideal. Oh, it was perfect weather. Yeah, it was great. I mean. It's uh, there's still not much you can do, obviously, but um, it's nice to be able to kind of relax a little bit and get away, so to speak, metaphorically, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it was good. It was good. I'm glad to be back, though. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like I said, uh, there's, you know, in, in a serious note, a lot to talk about, a lot of thoughts that we're all having at this time, uh, based on what's going on around our country right now, and uh, a lot of sad stuff going on. Um. But we, you know, while we've kind of dialed back on the content, we're having, only having one podcast this week. Um, you know, there's still football to talk about, and we are going to get to a little bit uh, of talking about what else is going on around the country. Um, so, Garrett, first, let's start off by uh, getting into the emails. You have, wait, you got the Ram? Hit yes, us with the Ram. Before, yes, before we get into the emails, let's. Uh, go ahead and say hello to our friends at Ram because there's only one truck brand strong enough to partner with the Lounge and the Ravens Podcast Network, and that's Ram Trucks, Motor Trend's back-to-back truck of the year. The Ram 1500 offers an available Ram Box cargo management system, four-corner air suspension, and a huge, huge amount of of rear legroom. When properly equipped, the Ram 3500 is a heavy-duty workhorse that boasts a 1,000 pound-feet of diesel torque, 
Go to Ram.com for great deals on a wide selection of Ram trucks now with door-to-door delivery. Did you know you can get a truck delivered? You can. You can do that. I'll take a truck. <laughs> I think you have, to, sure. you have to buy it. It's not They're not giving away trucks. You have to buy the truck and to get it delivered. So if you do that, then you can just wait up for the knock on your front door. Well, I'm still waiting for my wife to put in that order. You know, I feel like I get five, I get five Amazon packages a day. I'm always like, what the, what is this? You're you know, waiting for a truck to be in truck. one of those, you're waiting for the truck to be in one of those boxes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so into the mailbox here, uh, got some good emails. As always, you can reach us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. And this is actually pretty pertinent considering, uh, we're talking about replacing you on the pod. Uh, this one comes from, from John Amendola. And I don't know if any relation to Danny Amendola, but if so, don't like Danny's it. big brother. Um, nice. Maybe. Uh, so John says, please to announce a second generation member of the flock, Jasper. who was born on May 29th, 2020. Although he's got miles to go to make the team, he could have Mink's job in months. <laughs> that was like a good it. email and a cute picture he included a cute picture in there very a few cute pictures we even have like the raven's birdie head you know like the face recognition thing yeah yeah we got a helmet on jasper cute picture i wish we could show the pictures i'm just gonna to let you know as the listeners yeah cute kid cute kid so congrats to john and to jasper and to the whole fam uh to jasper's mom so uh pretty exciting stuff uh we got another email here from aaron smith and says, uh, what's up, Ryan and Garrett? Your Canadian friend Aaron here. Love Canada. Uh, <laughs> few, few, few questions for you guys who I'm wondering who, uh, sorry. Few questions for guys who I'm wondering you think make the roster. Mm. Who would you rather have as a backup quarterback? Trace McSorley or Tyler Huntley? Says he's leaning more towards Huntley because of his skill set is closer to Lamar's with his scrambling ability and athleticism. So we'll, we'll let's dive into that first, then I'll get to the rest of the question. Yeah, sure. So, well, let me just start by saying, are we sure the Ravens are going to have three quarterbacks on the team this year? I think that that's the first question, and I think that Robert Griffin is going to be the number two quarterback. Is my expectation that he would yeah. once again be the backup quarterback. And Trace obviously made the team last year, didn't play in any games, uh, but he was on the team. So, I think that's. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that all three guys. There's three quarterbacks again. I'll start there. I, I as much as I like to get to know Tyler and the conversation we had with him, um, I think it's a very long shot for him to make the team. Um, he's just the fourth guy on a team that has two Heisman Trophy winners, one of them being the MVP, um, and a pretty good quarterback in Trace McSorley, who the Ravens drafted last year ahead of him. So I don't see Huntley making the 53-man roster. I think he could be a practice squad candidate, potentially, but then you have four guys on well, your team. Well, it depends if, on if... Exactly. If, if McSorley's kept on the 53, then I definitely could see... Well, exactly. If I would, that would be under the... the That would be a, if a situation if the Ravens were not to keep McSorley on the 53 and he were to go elsewhere, as an example. I mean, I, I agree that I like Tyler Huntley's skill set, and I like... To me... Uh, Tyler Huntley has the potential to be maybe, you know, the RG3 after RG3 moves on, right? I mean, beyond this season, RG3 is signed through this season. I like that RG3 kind of has similar traits. I'm not going to say the same as Lamar. Mm -hmm. Similar traits to Lamar, and and Huntley is a lot like that. I also like the way Trace McSorley played last preseason. I mean, let's not all forget that. Like, dude stepped in when RG3 was hurt last preseason and played pretty darn well. I mean, he played well enough to earn a spot on the roster. Yeah, I thought he he exceeded expectations last preseason. I agree. I agree. Um, And, yeah, I think his teammates were impressed with the way, in conversations I had uh, with other guys around the locker room, they were impressed with the kid. Yeah. Um, So, uh, you know, I like Trace McSorley, too. I'm going to just say this. I think it depends on how they play in training camp in the preseason. I mean, to me, quarterbacks are really the easiest position to evaluate in the preseason because you really get a good, very good look at them and they get a lot of playing time. So let's see how Trace plays. Let's see how Tyler Huntley plays and may the best man win. But you could see, so just to make sure that I'm understanding, you could see there being three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster and Tyler Huntley's one of them over Trace McSorley. If he balled out, yes, I could see that. I mean, I think it's a long shot, like you said. Uh, but if he looks really, really good in practice, 
and he plays really well in the preseason and gets enough snaps to even you right. know, get the opportunity, right? Because yeah. because RG3 is going to get some snaps. Trace is going to get some snaps. And then you get to Tyler. What's he get? You know, a couple series at the end of the games? I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't think he's going to I'm just saying, I think it's a long shot. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that he would overtake Nick Sorley. Um, but I, I think it's a long shot. I, I like the kid. I'm intrigued. I'm, in, uh, I think, I'm intrigued, but I, I I don't see that being the scenario. I just don't see there being a scenario where he makes a 53. I think if the Ravens don't – if Trace McSorley is not on the 53, I think there's two quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. You know, yeah. having a third quarterback uh, is a luxury. And if, if Trace weren't to make the 53, then Huntley, I think, is a practice squad candidate, and Trace probably ends up elsewhere. I, I, yeah, I think Huntley's a great practice squad candidate. I think that's yeah. most likely right But the other thing, too, um, on Trace, just real quick on that – by no means is is he to see match uh, Lamar Jackson or, or Robert Griffin third's uh, running ability, but he, oh, but he does have guy. running ability. Yeah, I mean yeah. he he, yes. scored, he had thirty rushing touchdowns in college and and seven hundred ninety eight rushing yards his last year at Penn State. So it's not like yeah. it's not like this guy's a stiff back there from a exactly. mobility standpoint. Exactly, I I totally agree with that point. I think that's a good point. Um, speaking of like keeping three quarterbacks and it being a luxury. You got to keep a spot for our boy Reichsteiner, right? right? And that's the next part of the question here. He said, also, uh, if you were EDC, Eric Casa, would you bring in Reichsteiner as a backup fullback or move Ricard to full-time defensive tackle? Can I start on this? Sure. There's no, there's no way we're moving Ricard to full-time defensive tackle. The guy's a Pro Bowl fullback. Right. right. And, 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 and we run the ball a lot. So that fullback position is really important. Plus, Ricard might have a little bit more on his plate just because there's an opening at tight end. Now, yeah. I, I expect one of the undrafted tight ends between Breland, Breland and Eli Wolf to take that spot that Hayden Hurst had, but Ricard could see a little bit more, a little bit more action there. Um, I, I, I like when they throw the ball to Ricard. It was kind of like Devonta Leach, scripted up, first play of the game, the ball's going <laughs> to Devonta. <laughs> ball's going the bonds a 90% chance and he's trucking somebody. Then Kyle Juszczyk became that guy. The ball. Well, I don't know. I don't remember what year it was, but that one year Juszczyk got the first play. It had to be 75% of the time. I don't know how defensive coordinators didn't sniff that one out. I think that was the Tressman year. Oh, it was, th- oh, it was the Tressman year. That I was amazing. That, uh, every, every game. It was the play action fake pass to Juszczyk in the flat. Like we just start laughing in the press box. We'd be like, there it is. Yep. Got him again, baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I don't, in terms of Reich Steiner, again, I'm not trying to poo-poo all the guys who have been on the podcast from an undrafted rookie standpoint. No we're having trouble booking guests. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a long shot. I think it's a, I think it's a very long shot because like you said, I, I think there's going to be an undrafted player that makes a team. I think it's going to be one of those tight ends. I mean, Harbaugh even said it could be both of them. That's an, That was, you know. That was that, an interesting little wrinkle. Interesting point that both of those guys are going to be in the mix to make the team. Um, and, yeah, Ricard's not playing more defense. The Ravens have a really good, I think, rotation along the defensive line now with the guys well, yeah, they have. Yeah, now we have Broderick Washington Jr. and Matabike. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with those guys they added. Plus, like, you still have Justin Ellis and Jihad Ward uh, who were there, mm-hmm. so – it's going to be a lot of competition there. I think that the snaps are, would be tough to come by for Ricard. And, and by the end of the last season, he was barely playing on defense and he was almost exclusively yeah. an offensive player. Really? The question is, is Ricard a two way player at all anymore? And uh, he might seriously. Not be. He, yeah. they, I mean, he might not even go to defensive meetings moving forward. I don't know. That would right. be an interesting, we should have him on. We should ask that question. We should ask that him question. He loves, him going to both me- he loves going to both meetings. So he'll probably try to advocate for both, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> Last question. All right. Yes. This, this is a three-parter. Okay? How many questions? Come on, man. Dude, he's got – hey, he's from Canada. I'm giving him what he wants. All right? <laughs> <laughs> this is Aaron. He says, finally, what are the odds that Gus Edwards gets traded before the season's end to get draft capital if he asks for too much? Uh, since we already have Dobbins to be the RB1 post-Ingram. I don't understand that if he asks for too if much. If he asks for too much, what, what is he asking for? He's oh, he's talking about an extension? Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's going to get an extension this offseason. Gus Edwards doesn't scream a uh, guy who's banging on the door to get paid to me. Yeah, <laughs> to get... I don't think Gus yeah. is going to hold out uh, this summer for a new deal. I, I people have been saying, asking about trading Gus 
trading justice, trading yep. Ingram since we drafted J.K. Dobbins. And I've said, and I still stand by it, I do not think one of those guys are going to get traded. I really don't. And I think that uh, I think that the Ravens have made it clear between what Harbaugh and DaCosta have said that they expect all four of those guys to be on the team. So I just don't see a trade. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. The roles don't really change, right? Because Gus Edwards is still your power back, like short yardage, power back. Nobody, Dobbins isn't that kind of guy. He's not built like Gus Edwards. Nobody's replaced him. Justice Hill is still your speed, change of pace back, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, the roles haven't changed. It's just that you've added Dobbins, who I think, like, you know, Aaron says, is the future RB1, right? And so, sure, he's going to get carries, and that's going to take away some from those other guys. But, like, I still don't think that Dobbins' arrival replaces those other guys because he's not like those other guys necessarily. He's more like Mark right? Ingram. Yeah, he's more like Mark Ingram. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, so, you know, he can take a little bit. I mean, he's going to take a little bit off everybody's plate. But, yes, I agree. He's he's Dobbins is built to be an RB1, whereas Gus Edwards, I think, and Justice Hill are very good complementary pieces that will still be used this year. Yeah, yeah. So stop trying to trade Gus the bus. People keep trying to trade him. Stop it. Everyone's trying to trade him. Stop. <laughs> you. What's up with you, though, with the negativity? Negativity on Huntley. Negativity on my guy Reich Steiner. And positivity. You know, I would. Th I would. Th I would think after a week vacation, you'd come in with more optimism. You're not no, supposed to be coming and I'm in positive. all hardened. I'm being. I'm being positive on our guy Gus the Bus. I'm saying stop trying to trade him. He's going to be on That's, the team. Yeah, no, I, I erased that part to make my point yeah. stronger. I mean, there's 53 guys <laughs> on the team. You're trying to trying to create. Get Gus out of here so you can put your boy Reichstein on the team. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to get anybody out. I'm just saying I like Rex. I want everybody on the roster. No, I'm all about the love. Um, <laughs> all right. So, all right. So another thing I want to talk to you about is something that's going on uh, over the past couple of weeks and probably will continue, which is guys getting together during the offseason um, with Lamar. Uh, we've seen mm -hmm. it on we saw it on TikTok this week from some high school kid down in Florida who stumbled upon a practice field and and all of a sudden there's Lamar Jackson working out with James Berger. I'm like is, shocked that it doesn't happen more often. Uh, it just seems like Lamar goes to like a local high school field on a regular basis yeah. and whoever he sees he sees. It's so funny. Like I, here's the NFL MVP and he's just playing in the outfield of some baseball field, like <laughs> like undisturbed. You know, like. I, I tell you, it it I it makes me like Broward County even more. You know, yeah, they're just Lamar's like, yeah, there's Lamar. He's our guy. He's doing his thing. Yeah, he's he's a man of the people. Um, yeah. So you know, I think a big question. This is something that that Coach Harbaugh talked about when he did the PSL call with our with the conference call with the PSL owners last week. He talked about Lamar taking that next step, and I think that's like a general big talking point. Patrick Mahomes made the step from MVP to Super Bowl winner. Can Lamar Jackson take a similar step? So. What do you think about that possibility, and what do you think about what you've seen from what he's done over the past few weeks? Can I just – did Patrick Mahomes take the next proverbial step? I mean – I mean, his stats were worse. He got hurt, His though. stats were considerably worse. I get it. He had a knee injury, like he was dealing with an injury. Um, I think this step – he took this step in the playoffs, obviously. Yes, sure, yeah. I mean, he made some great plays. Um, he absolutely. was great in the playoffs, yeah. yeah. He was. I think that's, he was the, awesome. that's the step. And that – I mean – and and obviously right. the knock on Lamar is that over, over two in the playoffs. So the step there is postseason. Yes, yes, I I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, I certainly think that Lamar can take that step. Uh, I mean, I think it's kind of overblown, maybe to an extent that like Lamar didn't play well in last year's playoffs. Like Lamar didn't have a bad game mm -hmm. <laughs> against Tennessee. He really didn't. I mean. I thought he was significantly better than he was the year before against oh, the yeah. Chargers. Yeah. Significantly. Um, and like Lamar made some plays. Yeah. Right now. Like you get, you don't get stopped on fourth and one twice. That's a whole different ball game. Yeah. And Lamar had the ball in his hands, you know? Um, but like, how much do you put on that on him on that? Uh, you know, I'm not putting a whole lot. So, so anyway, my point is like, I don't think that Lamar has to make some massive leap, you know, to become like a better playoff quarterback, you think? That, I think he. Yeah. You think? That being I think the he MVP will mature. Enough? <laughs> I mean, no, I get. I, I yeah, being the he's the best player in the league last year, most valuable right. player in the league. So how much bigger exactly. of a jump do you want him to take? Exactly. 
and and now i do think that like lamar will continue to mature i think that lamar uh the more times that lamar faces adversity in the nfl uh the better he'll get it facing it the next time and and he's got it now right and like you know i think it really if i were going to critique lamar from last season's playoffs it was like i think he gets frustrated and then he puts a lot on his shoulders you know and i understand that he's a competitive dude we all know that and like that has its pluses and it can and i think it can be a detriment at times too right i mean we we all saw the face mask penalty at the end of the interception for example <laughs> right right um and and i love that about the kid competitive as hell right but like he's going to learn how to to rise past those tough times even more the older mm. he gets and the more t- experience he gets and and so yes i think he could take a step that way i think he's going to take a step naturally just as a quarterback and through his mechanics and and some of those uh you know the deep passing that john harbaugh referenced which i think he can definitely take a big uh, step in because i think he throws that ball well honestly it's one of his better throws in my opinion in his resume um yeah so he hits more of those for big plays that's going to be another step for him just reading defenses the more experience you get reading a defense operating an offense he's going to naturally get better that way so i think he can take a step in a lot of different ways i'll add this one caveat when you have an unreal season the way lamar jackson did it's hard to replicate it like Mm -hmm. you know his touchdown to interception ratio is ridiculous his red zone success last year was ridiculous yeah Uh, sometimes it's a law of averages with those things um so i I, i'm not saying like Mm -hmm. he's gonna put up the exact same stats that he did last year or bigger because he's taking these steps but i think he's gonna be a better quarterback overall yeah i think that's a fair point i mean that's just some of those red zone touchdowns next year could be carries by mark ingram or jk dobbins and then all of a sudden your touchdown numbers are down it's like well your touchdown numbers down it's like well you know Ingram has five more touchdowns or whatever the number is. Right. Is so he gonna I have think three games where he throws five touchdowns like right, he did last right. year. So the one th- I I think that something that is going to be a difference this year is that he's got better weapons and for a few reasons. One, I like what the Ravens did in the draft with Devin Duvernay and James Prochet. I think Duvernay is is really an exciting player, and, and you saw how Eric DeCoste and John Harbaugh felt about him on draft weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, Harbaugh looked like looked like me in my living room watching a game on Sunday when the Ravens, you know, scored their fifth touchdown against the Rams on Monday Night Football. You know, like he Just was so baby. Fired. Yeah, Boom. he was fired up. So, um, so that's the, you know that is. Uh, I think the Ravens have better weapons. Also, Hollywood is going to be better. Like, Hollywood is... The guy looks like he is going to be a stud this year. It's almost like there's too much excitement around him as a breakout player. I'm like, <laughs> guys, everyone quiet down. Then Come on, keep it under wraps a little bit. Because he, I think he's going to be a star. And he just looks like he is primed for such a big season. He's yep. he's he's stronger. He's healthy. Um, and now we're going to get to, f- to kind of see the whole the full Hollywood Brown experience. Yep. Um, and then we already talked about the running backs. They got a... a another great running back in the mix. So the offensive playmakers are even better than they were last year. So that will just open up opportunities for him. You know, like the deep ball you're talking about, Hollywood's going to catch more of those because he's healthy. And Devin Duvernay has got great speed. Like, could he catch some of those deep passes and be a breakaway player? Sure. Oh, absolutely. He's got plenty of speed. Have you watched this? Have you seen that guy's track videos? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And then I didn't even mention Miles Boykin, but... You know, every time you talk to Harbaugh or DaCosta, they've got great things to say about him and the expectations for him. So he, his hope is to take a big step. So all of those guys. I like guys, that he bought a jugs machine, by the way. Hey. Dude's ponied up for the jugs machine. How much does a jug? I'm Googling. How much does a jugs machine <laughs> you, you cost? You would just get one of like the cheap old ones from like the 80s on eBay or something. Uh, I'm sure the new jugs ones. machine Amazon right now. <laughs> let's check this out. Whoa. Hey, you- these things are twenty five hundred bucks. Maybe one day you'll 3, walk 000. out. You'll you'll walk out to your 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 front step, and there'll be a truck, a Ram truck, and a new jugs machine sitting out there for you in the back of the of the truck. Yeah, yeah. Sh- should we take a Should we take a break and tell the story about us getting on the jugs machine one time? I think we have told that story, but for All those right, who brief version, brief brief version, brief version. We, we went and I stumble. Yeah, go ahead. You 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 All right, I'm doing it. You doing it? Yeah. I'll, I'll start. All right, you start. We walk into the we walk into the basketball court, and the jugs <laughs> machine is in there, and we start just messing around with it a little bit. 
and we crank it up barely. I mean, we go to like 10 miles an hour and it's humming. It is humming. <laughs> like it's it's a laser. And how high did we get the thing? I think how 15. Fast? 15. 15. I don't know that we caught any at 15, but we got 15, it up to 15. 15 is we, like stepping we into a, Yeah, it's like stepping into a Randy Johnson fastball. Mhm. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Well, also like we were standing kind of far away. Those things were zipping by our heads we were like nah nah we're good we're good we'll just tear it out and then you see these these players and they're taking it like right off the gun i what are they what do they put it at like 50 something i don't think it's 50 i think it's more like 18 like to 20 90 100 oh yeah 100 150 <laughs> miles an hour 150 miles an hour <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's those things man they're dangerous. They are. It's scary when they they get. We weren't even close to cranked up, and it is humming. So Garrett's a t- Garrett's a terrible receiver though. Just to let everybody out there know. No, you only 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 of any use in the red zone. You're a decent red zone target, but besides that, don't even look his way because you're slow. You're slow in and out of your breaks. You have no no quickness. <laughs> <laughs> you're purely you can't quarterback you're you're drew bledsoe in the in the in the pocket no well, mobility i thought back. my job i thought we were talking about my receiving ability you know i'm a well, great receiver i'm talking and, both and you're just embarrassed because when we've played backyard football or mess around in the field house i've dunked on you so many times and randy mossed you I've, that is I've, not I've, true. I've mossed you so many times that you're embarrassed so you got to try to <laughs> discredit me not true <laughs> anyway all right all right let's move on let's move on uh judon another yes. big topic right now uh you know he signed his franchise tag obviously i think the thought right now what's being reported is that means that he will not be traded this offseason certainly you know as early reports indicated it was a possibility yeah uh certainly the ravens never went on the record saying that um but you know here's the thing about judon like could this guy just just really break out in air quotes this year. I mean, he put up nine and a half sacks last year and he's a franchise player. You know, I think people know him, but uh, I mean, could he be a 15 sack guy next year? Cause you put Calais Campbell in front of him, Derek Wolf in front of him. You know, he's not the only guy for lack of, of a better term. Uh, I, I just kind of feel like Judon could take another step. Well, here's the thing with Judon also is, He's just consistently gotten better. And, yep. you know, a bit of a late bloomer in the sense he goes to Grand Valley State, his fifth-round pick, situational pass rusher, steps into a starting role, then just continues to improve in every way. Like, he gets better against the run. He becomes more of an all-around linebacker. Like, he's clearly one of these guys that you give the scouts a ton of credit for drafting him as a fifth-round oh, yeah. pick, and then you give him a ton of credit for developing once he got to the pros. And, so, and the coaches. I mean, yeah, the and the coaches. So he just continued to to ascend. So could he be a 15 sack guy? I mean, that's a lot. I, I think that I think that he's gonna. It would not surprise me at all if he's a double. Fifteen's a lot. Fifteen is a lot. That's um, a lot. Um, but to be double digit, which is just but a fraction more of what he was last year, I could I could certainly see. That. Part of the thing is too though, like I, I've said all along, I think Tyus Bowser could get a bit more of a piece of the pie, and Jalen Ferguson yeah. we really liked last year. And so you're going to have Derek Wolf and Calais Campbell get into the quarterback. So they're, those those sacks are going to be divided, I think, by a number. And the linebackers who are, are going to be good blitzers, Patrick mm-hmm. Queen and Malik Harrison. So 50, I just don't think it's as much responsibility is going to be on Judon. And that's not because he, it's not like he's not up for it. It's just that you have more guys you can be in the mix, and I don't think there's going to be as much pressure on him to be the only guy getting yeah. to the quarterback. Yeah, but let's let's just, you know... I, you know what? I butcher every single saying that I attempt to do. What is it? High tides raise all ships. Is that correct? Y- yes, yes. Boom! Got one! You got one. Got one. Uh, I mean, why can't he have double-digit 12, 15? Uh, you know, if we're... I'm op- I'm Mr. Optimistic today. Um, <laughs> and, and Tyus Bowser also had more. Jalen Ferguson also had more. You know, I mean, the Ravens were, what, 21st in the league in sacks last year? You know, there's room for everybody to get more here. Let's Let's have a party. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's out of their own possibility. I mean, Judon's a good player, man. He's a good player. And, and I also like how he's, he's, uh, developed as a leader in that locker room. Um, 
I, I, I think it's going to be interesting how this plays out from here. You know, what happens after this year on the franchise tag? Yeah. The Ravens could tag him again. Can they get, can they reach a long-term extension? What makes it hard is that you have a lot of really good young players that are coming due. Right. And I think what we're going to see is it's going to depend on how other players develop, um, you know, and where do the Ravens invest their money? What position groups do they value the most? Because left tackle is a big one. Right. And, and Ronnie Stanley's coming due after this year. And I can't imagine, I have trouble imagining a scenario where Ronnie Stanley isn't back long-term. Right. I mean, here's one of the best left tackles in the league, if not the best left tackle in the league, perhaps. Yeah. And he's in the prime of his career. You have a run heavy scheme and an MVP quarterback. You got to protect offensive lineman. It's pretty important. Left tackle is pretty important and he's going to be expensive too. Then you, so then you have Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey. Then you have Lamar Jackson. You know, we've seen and the Orlando. Ravens how they invest in the secondary. I mean, you can go when you have the young, talented players like the Ravens have. Then all of a sudden, you start looking down the line and you're like, "Whoa, okay." So Stanley, Judon, Humphrey are the kind of the big three right now in the immediate, yep. sem- semi-immediate, semi-immediate. Yep. Then all of a sudden, it's it's Lamar, and that changes everything because then with Lamar, then you get into Orlando Brown, then you get into Mark Andrews territory. We're like, these are really good players who are going to be looking for additional contracts, and th- and then it's like, yep. okay, now it's um, now we're really playing things out several years down the line. But you're going to have a lot of these guys who are Pro Bowl players: Andrews, Lamar, Orlando, yep. uh, Marlon, all Pro Bowlers. So um, you got to take it one step at a time here, but. I think just to put a bow on the on the Judon conversation, we I always like a motivated player who's playing in part for a contract. Um, and so Judon being on a franchise tag, I think he's really confident in himself, and he knows that he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of money this year, big pay increase from where he was last year, and he's still playing for a big contract. So yep. I do like that. Um, Stanley is really, I mean, Stanley he didn't say this explicitly, but he. he I mean, well, he basically did. He wants to be the highest paid left tackle in football, which is topping what Laramie Tunsil did, uh, which is a ton of money, a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he didn't say that at all, but I'm sure he feels that way. Um, you know, he wants to pay what he's worth. Exactly, right? what he's worth. And and then the, uh, the metrics, Pro Football Focus, says he is the best left tackle in football. So I'm sure he thinks he's worth that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's hard to argue, right? right. right? I mean, the Ravens, when you when you have a season like he did last year, you've got a lot of leverage. Um, so, like I said, I mean, I I think the Ravens will reach a contract extension with Ronnie Stanley. I do think that he could be the highest paid non quarterback in the league, which it says a lot. Um, and and you know he he's probably worth it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just looking I, at I, I think I think that he's gonna get. I think he's going to continue. It's hard to get better from where he was at last year. But here's a guy who's a perfectionist about his game. He's been very durable. Um, he, I mean, he cares a lot about his profession. He works well for the Ravens system. He's at a premium position. He checks all the boxes. Yeah. So Tunsil, three years, sixty-six million with fifty million guaranteed. So averaging twenty-two million a year. So, you know, what's it going to take to get Stanley? Twenty-three million a year. Right. Long term, it's a big contract. Um, he could also million be dollars, and and your spot is the co-host on the lounge. We'll throw that in. <laughs> is that is that he is that an incentive or he had <laughs> he has to do that for him? Um, That's true. Uh, but but the other part of it too, could you just franchise him next year? Well, yeah. I mean, it depends on what happens with Judon. Right. Right. I mean, I I I could see a scenario where you franchise Judon twice. You could. Um, yeah. It, the other possibility with Stanley is, is you could work out a long-term deal with him before this season starts. I don't think Wouldn't that's... Wouldn't shock me. I mean, the Ravens... Or during said, the season. Or during the season. They did it last year with Marcus Peters. So they're yeah. working on... These contract negotiations are not done by any means. And, and DaCosta said he's worked with his agent. Stanley said basically the same thing. So that could happen that a long-term deal could get worked out before the season. So... You know, you want to keep him. You want to keep him. You don't want to lose. You don't want to lose one of the best players at right. that position. Well, I think for Ronnie, you know, you, you look at it and you you say, "Well, I'm coming off a fantastic year. 
I know I'm going to get paid a lot of money right now if I sign this contract this year and I'm not risking injury this following year. You know, yeah. I mean, what you don't want to do is if you're Ronnie is wait another year. Like how much, how much better is that contract going to get next off season than the richest, you know, left tackle in the, in the NFL? I don't, right. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't think there's another left tackle that's going to necessarily reset the market. Well, Tonsil just said it. Right, exactly. I'm saying like another one that's net coming up next offseason that he can wait for and yeah. see if that guy resets it again. Uh, you're right. I always expected it to come after Tunsil because Tunsil had all the leverage in the world and that the Texans gave up a ton to get him. So they yeah. had they had to sign him to a long-term deal. So then Tunsil gets this, this big contract. So now Stanley can point to that and say, well, I'm better than this guy. So I got to yeah. be paid more than him. Yep, yep. It really goes back. Let's go back to the 2016 draft, and man, the Ravens are looking good. You know, I mean, there's a lot of talk about Tunsil and whether he should have been the pick there. Uh, you know, and of course, there's a lot of talk about Jalen Ramsey and, mm-hmm. and Zeke Elliott and all that stuff. And the Ravens sit back and they take, you know, the 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 guy out of Notre Dame who wasn't getting as much buzz, wasn't as, at a as, uh, sexy position in air quotes, all that stuff. And look how it's turned out. Yeah. I mean, imagine the Ravens kind of had a rotating door, a revolving door a little bit at, at left tackle before Ronnie Stanley. Between Jonathan Ogden and Ronnie Stanley, uh, it was, you know. And so how much does he stabilize this? And the Ravens don't set, you know, the records they did last year without Ronnie Stanley. That's for darn sure. Right. Right. Well, my guy James Hurst could have stepped in there, you know, and minus james which congrats shout out to my guy james hurst congrats a one-year deal with new orleans saints oh saints 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 Saints. come on man i just think of every former raven signs with the jets these days so i just kind of assumed that (laughs) that's true that's true uh so yeah i was happy to see a little sad a little sad i lost my board game buddy but uh but happy for him and his wife yeah uh, so anyway, if you've been reading these scouting reports, you know that Ram trucks are Motor Trend's back-to-back truck of the year. The Ram 1500 is the top pick with an available Hemi V8 engine, e-torque hybrid technology, and a 12-inch touchscreen. Plus, it offers a truckload of available features. Same with the hardworking Ram 3500 Heavy Duty. For generous cash allowances and great lease offers, go to Ram.com and take advantage of all the great deals going on right now on a great selection of Ram trucks. So the other just quick note on the salary cap that I'll be curious to see how it plays out is, you know, depending on how this year goes with fans or whatever, does that alter a future salary cap in terms of the earnings? Cause the salary cap is based on the overall uh, amount of money that the league gets. Um, and so there, that's something that's being talked about in basketball and baseball right now um, because because the NBA, for example, is making, they're not selling tickets to fans in the stands. Now the amount of money is significantly less. So the pot is smaller. Um, but, so, but doesn't that, re- I mean, ticket sales revenue, isn't that for clubs? I mean, the league gets a lot of its money from its TV deals. Does the it league does, get- but it's all shared revenue. It's, it's all shared revenue in the NFL. Mike Lombardi at The Athletic did an article about it where he suggested that a salary cap could see a, a 30% cut next year. Wow. Now, be... I think that's all speculation, and that's you know, um, by it's it's way too early to say that that's going to be the case. Yeah. Um, but it will be interesting to see if that alters any part of a negotiation process or, or a planning process, anything like that. Um, I don't know that's going to going to happen, but that's just an interesting wrinkle in all this. For sure, for sure. Uh, so with all that said, you know. We are obviously paying attention, as a lot of you, I'm sure, out there are, to what's uh, been happening around the country uh, with the death of George Floyd and the protests and uh, people stand up and, and speaking out about what's been going on. Um, and you know, I have a lot to say on the topic that uh, I think is better for other people to talk about. <laughs> um, and we plan on having some of those conversations uh, moving forward, at least we hope to. Uh, I hope you've all seen the commitment that the Ravens have made. Stephen and Renee Bishotti uh, and their foundation committed a million dollars towards social justice causes, uh, which is just absolutely awesome. And I applaud them uh, for doing so. I think it's, it, again, makes me proud to work for this organization that they're putting their money behind that. 
Uh, and the quote from Ravens owner Steve Ashadi, I'll read here. Uh, There's nothing I can say to ease the pain felt by African-American communities across the country. No words will repair the damage that has been done. Like many people, I am sickened, disheartened, and shaken by the acts of racism that continue to overwhelm our society. The most recent killing involving George Floyd is yet another tragic example of the discrimination that African-Americans face each day. Now more than ever, we must all strengthen our pursuit of positive change as we stand with peaceful protesters around the country. We must all seek to understand by listening better and learning more. We must all discover new ways to unite. We must all work to break the cycle of systematic racial injustice. Our players have been and will continue to be at the forefront of this change. We believe in their commitment to furthering social justice and invoking meaningful change. We stand side by side with them in full support. It is for this reason that I have asked a group of former and current Ravens players to decide which organizations should receive proceeds from the $1 million donation we are making today. So once again, uh, huge applause for Steve Ashadi uh, for making that financial commitment. And, and this isn't the first uh, commitment along these lines by the Ravens. Um, you know, I don't, we don't want to spend much time sitting here patting ourselves on the back because that's not what this is about. Um, but the Ravens have donated, given a lot of money to local organizations, uh, schools, um, other organizations uh, that are promoting the, um, you know, jobs, uh, training programs to help low-wage, low-skill Baltimore City residents, um, including some that have been through the criminal justice system. You know, uh, we gave money, $200,000, to Baltimore City Public Schools to help upgrade the heating and air conditioning units at Lakewood Elementary School because we all know we need help with the education uh, that we see a lot in some of these neighborhoods. Um, so I think it's just awesome. I, I, I think that I'm touched by the, the reference of the systematic racial injustice. To break that cycle, I think that's important. You know, I think uh, one thing that's powerful with it there's a lot, but uh, is the involvement of the players in the process. And yep. we'll certainly have more, you know, once we know who those players are and who's going to be involved in that process. Um, this is something that has been, there's been basically a social justice group of players that have done a variety of things, some very at the forefront, some behind the scenes involving meeting with politicians, um, yep. involving just conversations and trying to enact change. And um, I think that it's clear that the Ravens have wanted to put um, a lot of involvement, wanted to involve the players in a lot of this, you know, that this is basically, a, this is a united effort between the organization and the players. Um, and I'll be really interested and eager to see um, the current and former players who are part of that committee and where they ultimately decide that those funds will go. And, and as we were, you know, as we've, talked about this and, and thought about this, it really brought us back to a conversation. Somebody who's been really active in this space is Anquan Bolden. Uh, he's part of the Players Coalition. Uh, he's been very outspoken. Um, and he, is, he has been um, a leader in this space for the last several years. And when we did a podcast with Anquan, this was back during last season uh, when he returned to retire as a Raven. Yeah. Um, Number 176. Yes, number 176. We talked about football and his career. It's, it was one of my favorite podcasts because Anquan's one of my favorite Ravens of all time, by the way. Yep. Um, so it was mm -hmm. a great conversation with him. I think you would go, enjoy going back and listening to that. Um, but one thing we wanted to do is to play a snippet of this uh, because he is somebody who this is a very personal uh, conversation for him, um, and it has affected his life in a really impactful way. So uh, we're going to go ahead and roll part of that podcast uh, and that conversation with Anquan right now. now. I want to talk about your your post-career activism now with the Players Coalition and really starting that up, which I think is awesome in the work that you're doing. What led you down that path? And uh, and can you just tell us more ab about some of the projects that you're working on and what you're, what you're doing? Yeah, um, the, the, I mean... The thing that led me down that path was actually a tragedy in my family. Um, my cousin, Corey Jones, who was a, a drummer in a band, um, he was on his way home from a gig, and his car broke down on the side of the road. Long story short, he was killed by a cop mm. after he broke down on the side of the road. And just to see what my family went through, um, it was it was devastating. Um, it was tough. Um, but we finally got our day in court, and – after three and a half years, the officer was convicted. Oh, wow. Right? So 
it was a it was a I thought a moment of justice, but it it also was a sobering moment for me because when the officer was convicted, we learned that he was the first officer in the state of Florida convicted for an on duty shooting in the last thirty years. Right. And I thought about how many shootings had happened in the state of Florida, officer involved in the last thirty years. And you only got one guy that was convicted. And I thought about how many, how many families not only didn't get, you know, their day in court, mm-hmm. but didn't get justice. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, you know, I didn't want that to happen to any other family, um, you know, nowhere. Right. So, you know, the work that we're doing is not only in Florida, but it's, it's nationwide. Right. And the sad part is, that, I mean, it's obviously still happening all still, the time. it's still happening all the time, um, and and I, you know, I continue. And, and for me, it's not about bashing cops. It's not about anything like that because I'll be the first to tell you. You know, if, if something happens, that's the that's you know that's the those are the people that you call. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the people that are sworn to protect and and serve us as citizens. But a lot of t- sometimes that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. and I think that's very unfortunate because if we're gonna be at our best you know, the community and the police have to work hand in hand. And a lot of times you don't see that happen. Mm-hmm. So part of it, you're speaking at an event tonight in Baltimore, a town yes. hall. And how important are those types of, you know, activities like what you're doing here? Man, I, I think it's, it's vital. Um, and I think a, a lot of times stuff happens because we don't know. So like there's a lot of, take Florida for an example, like in um, Orange County in Orlando, and we had just had a, a a forum there as well, town hall as well. We had two six year olds arrested at the forum. No, like in school. Mm-hmm. And I have a a nine year old son and a fifteen year old son, but I'm thinking oh, my right. nine year old son getting arrested right. in school. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Like is mind blowing to me. Right. Or in the state of Massachusetts, like in Boston, we got this this act called Raise the Age passed. Kids as young as you know, six, seven, eight years old being arrested for things that are going on in school. And like, when you say that to somebody, like it just doesn't sound right. Right. But these are laws that are on the books and they happen because we as citizens aren't informed about it. We don't know about it. And we, if you don't know about it, how can you hold elected officials responsible for the laws that are on the books? So my, my thing is to always try to educate the public about what's going on. Um, when you talk about uh, state attorneys, district attorneys, and the roles that they play in our communities and the power that they possess or circuit court judges, um, the power that they have when it comes to sentencing or over-sentencing people, like, people need to know. And, you know, when you're talking about sheriffs and all of these people are elected officials. So I hate when people say, you know, well, I didn't vote because my vote won't count. That's crap to me because, yeah, we talk about presidential elections and all of that, but you need to go vote locally because those are the people that are affecting your everyday lives. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about, for example, if a if a cop, if a, a shooting, a police-involved shooting happens, it's on the state attorney or the, the district attorney whether or not they're going to prosecute that officer. So you're voting that person in. Mm-hmm. So if I'm voting you in, I'm going to hold you responsible. Or if I have a, it just happened in Florida, a circuit court judge just sentenced a guy 20, 10, 10 days in jail because he missed jury duty. I mean, it's on us as a, as a, as a community, as a public um, to understand what's going on and, and to hold our, our elected officials accountable. Mm-hmm. So yeah. would you ever run for office? No. No? I got to pull the Peter Bull there. <laughs> no, nah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I'll stay on this side okay. right, and just continue to fight for those who don't have a voice. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome work, man. And and are you working with Tori? Yes. At- Tori, is, Tori is doing some work with us. Tori has been big um, here in Baltimore as well as in, in Charlotte. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm working with anybody who's willing to make a difference. Um, you know, here in, in Baltimore, you got Joel Gamble. Um, a guy who's from West Baltimore, uh, Matt Lawrence. He ended up. He played here mm-hmm. a couple of years. Yeah, They'll be at the forum. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mark Ingram. Nice. Um, he'll be there. So you know, we're just trying to. Um, and I mean, 
it's not just about, you know, football players or, you know, we're actually having police chiefs, um, uh, Marilyn, Marilyn Mosby, she'll be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we have people who, who are pretty knowledgeable. Um, we work with a lot of different organizations, grassroots organizations around the country, people who've been doing the work um, way before we ever thought about it. Um, so, man, we're we're just trying to follow their lead, understand the issues that are, are taking place in each and every community and, and trying to see how we can affect change. Well, really, obviously, uh, pertinent stuff to our current situation. And, uh, you know, Anquan, Anquan kind of called it, right? I mean, that wasn't going to be the end of, of uh, these problems. Um, and unfortunately so, but we can all have hope that some of this, uh, will improve. And I think it's great that players like Anquan and other players continue to fight this battle and they need a lot more help. So, uh, one other thing I wanted to mention that I forgot, you know, in talking about the Ravens efforts previous, uh, in this space was a five year, $1.5 million partnership with up to us sports, mm-hmm. uh, in which, the Ravens, uh, they, it enabled them to launch its AmeriCorps program in Baltimore, which aims to hire, train, and support more than 200 sports coaches to become life skills mentors for youth living in low-income communities. So another really grassroots, impactful way that the Ravens have made change uh, or helped helped to make that change. And, uh, and the Ravens are going to do a lot more of it, and I think that's great. So thank you for listening. As always, you can reach us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Garrett, it's good to have you back. You you got your spot back. I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> it. We should uh, we we should also let people know uh, this week we're doing one podcast. Uh, yes, we might. You know, depending on what happens on a given week, there could be two, there could be one. Um, but as we are at a point right now, uh, obviously where there's not practice. Um, there's not as much conversation going on right now. Uh, we will be gearing up for training camp as scheduled, you know, at the end of the end of July. But for the most likely scenarios that we're going to be dropping down to one podcast a week, and occasionally you might be getting a double dip, uh, get a bonus two episodes like you did last week. But just one episode this week, um, and then next week we're going to have Warren Sharp uh, from Sharp Football understands the analytics side of this uh and he does a great job in that space he's been a big lamar jackson supporter for several years so uh we're gonna that, talk that with might him. have helped this cause yeah we're gonna talk with him pod. yes yeah that might have something to do with it but we're gonna talk with warren uh about lamar and the ravens and their commitment to analytics which is which is an interesting conversation piece as well so that's gonna be coming up next week yep well thanks for listening and we'll be back with you next week